0: You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashofSteel.com. This is episode 77, and I am your host, Trey Goodfellow. And with me today is my regular panelist, Rob Zachney.
1: Hey, everyone.
0: And Tom Chick. Uh,
2: If I can get anyone a coffee, let me know. I would be happy to uh, pull a nice shot of espresso for you. I'm I'm really good at it, and uh, I'm at your service.
0: So, Tom, you want to tell our listeners where you've been? Because I've been getting a lot of emails asking, where's Tom? Yeah, Why has and he been you on-
2: say things, right, and then you
0: say, Why has like, been on oh, the game. I, I don't know where Tom is. I don't I, <laughs> I thought I told oh, I, I, you. Did. you taught, I, I mentioned a couple of times you've had a very busy life. You've had a lot of stuff going on in this podcast. You know, it slips aside, and that's okay. Right. Uh, really I am thrilled to have you back.
2: I, I, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I've missed you guys as well, and uh, I appreciate you every now and then saying, oh, where's
0: Tom? <laughs> so. <laughs> yes. Well, you did make the GameShark podcast three times in the last two months. So yes, I'm hoping
2: to be kind of a regular there. They they have a more uh, sort of broad uh, docket. They, they talk about a bunch of different things beyond strategy games. So You're Thank saying you.
1: they're more interesting than we are.
0: I'm saying they're no, more interesting.
1: No, jo- no, you've said quite enough, Tom. You've said quite <laughs> enough.
0: <laughs> no, they've got a great show going over there. They're a great team, but please don't forget your home over here. But we're happy to have you to talk about uh, StarCraft Two. Probably the biggest strategy game of the year, and certainly the biggest PC game, uh, PC exclusive of the year, I would argue. And with us to help us cover this topic in our summer of guests, we're very happy to have with us uh, from X of Gamasutra, Sutra and from the Idle Thumbs podcast, heading to Irrational, Mr. Chris Ramo. Chris, glad you can make it.
3: Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Really love the podcast.
0: Uh, so you want to talk about StarCraft II, um, not just about the game, because my review is up. And Tom, you have a review up at GameShark, correct? Correct, yes. And I'm,
2: doing a, I'm in the
0: middle of a what looks like it's
2: going to be at least a two-week series of game diary entries on uh, Fidget. That's F-I-D-G-I-T dot com. So yeah, I'm still up to my elbows in ink uh, about StarCraft II
0: and there'll be links to all of those uh, at the bottom of the podcast on the podcast post at Flash of Steel. Uh, Before we get too far into discussing what StarCraft II means, this is our second podcast on StarCraft II. We did one about the beta a few months ago, talked about how it is a very traditional, old-school, economy-based RTS. We don't need to cover that ground again. Uh, So let's start with our guest. Let's start with Chris. Um, You were saying before the show started that you're not really... A heavy strategy guy, uh, but you have—you were in the beta for StarCraft. You played a lot. You're on a—you're in a gold league, so you're probably the best person to ask about this. What is the draw to StarCraft for so many people who don't consider themselves strategy gamers? Uh,
3: well, I mean, I guess I should clarify a little bit, uh, you know, about that characterization because it's—it's it's a funny thing, you know. Most of the people, most of the gamers who I interact with on a day-to-day basis through my job, you know, formerly at Kama Sutra and through uh, listeners of the Idle Thumbs podcast and and even just my own personal friends, to them, I'm like a crazy PC strategy nutcase, you know, but like the reason I describe myself as maybe not the most intense strategy gamer is because then I listen to your podcast and uh, which I love again. And uh, and you know, you guys are talking about like the games that that people to me say, oh, that's a really Niche crazy game. Those are like the sort of base uh, mass market <laughs> games that, like, you right. guys will refer to those games in in these terms that are just, oh, sure, the big, big budget RTS games and stuff. And so, you know, I, I feel really intimidated by uh, your your awareness of, of the genre because it's it's definitely far, you know, greater than, than mine. Um, but I I did get really into Starcraft too, particularly in the beta. Um, I was into Starcraft one you know, back in the day, but never, never at the level that I, I am now. Um, and it's, it's funny you, you mentioned, you, you asked, you know, what, what makes this game, uh, why is this so important to people? Um, on, on the podcast I do, um, soon coming to an end, unfortunately, the idle thumbs podcast, one of my co-hosts, Jake, he, he is actually playing Starcraft too. And I, I can't imagine he's played an RTS game in years. And he was saying, you know, this is great. I can go into this. And it's like when I used to play, uh, command and conquer. There's a little guy and I tell him to go to the minerals and he does it and I build a thing and then guys come out of it and you know he understands that paradigm. Um, it's something that he he has a there's sort of a handhold for him there that there wouldn't be um, if he were to pick up I, I don't know Company of Heroes or something. It's not to say he couldn't, he couldn't learn it but as someone who's probably never going to go out of his way to really immerse himself in the strategy genre this is something that that he can, he can quickly, easily latch onto, and there's an element of familiarity there. And I think that's probably true for a lot of people, particularly people who haven't played maybe as many PC games as they used to, uh, or strategy games, or, or what have you. I think that, that that basic understanding and literacy goes a long way.
2: You know, it's funny, Chris, to hear you talk about your friend Jake, because I recently tried to introduce StarCraft II to, to a couple of non-RTS players, uh, and I, I figured we'll just do a cooperative game. I have four, I have four copies of it here at my house. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have that on a LAN. So I, I figured I would, sit them all, I would sit them down and we would just do a co-op game against the AI. So I'm sort of explaining to them some of the basic concepts. I've set up a very easy sandbox game. And one of the guys pipes up and he goes, you know, I'm explaining scouting and how you have to mine stuff. And one of the guys pipes up and goes, oh, it's kind of like Age of Empires 2. and and he didn't, when I was asking him you know, do you play RTSs, he was like no and he wasn't even really aware that Age of Empires 2 was necessarily an RTS but there are a lot of people who have sort of dabbled with those in their earlier days as a PC gamer who might not have kept up with the genre and for them, because Starcraft 2 is so old school there are hooks that they can relate to
3: and they can remember, oh yeah, it's like Age of Empires 2 this is a slightly different... I just want to tell this stupid little story because it amuses me, and it rem- what you just said reminds me of it. And kind of the, for the opposite reason, but uh, when Halo Wars came out, I remember I was just... You know, I was a little bummed out about what was going on with Ensemble and, and that, that whole situation. And uh, I went on Amazon and read a bunch of reviews of Halo Wars because I wanted to see what the reaction was from people who... You know, the majority of whom probably know this game because it's Halo, not because... It's an RTS, or because it's by Ensemble, or what have you, and uh, and uh, you know uh, some of the reviews are positive, some of them were negative for legitimate reasons, and then some of them were clearly written by people who just had absolutely no clue what they were getting into. They just it had a Master Chief guy on the box, and they said great. Uh, and one of the one of the the reviews was just someone who clearly had just his mind had no conception of what an art like a real-time strategy game is you know that a strategy game that occurs without turns or anything and he just didn't understand it And he's like i don't i don't understand what's going on in this game it makes no sense it's nothing like halo it's like it's like sim city or something except that there's halo guys in it and that was like the closest (laughs) comparison he could draw because it's you know a top-down thing where there's some element of like indirect management and and i thought you know it just it reminded me it, it really brought to mind just how incredibly diverse and weird video games are you know there's just you, you know you think of you play games for years and years and years and we, we know all these genres and we know all these these gameplay conventions uh, but there are lots i mean there are tons and if you if you just haven't for whatever reason uh, had an exposure to some particular lineage of genres, you, you, you might just have no clue what's going on in one of them. And to know SimCity, he clearly didn't start playing games when Halo came out because SimCity hasn't been a current thing for probably a decade or more. I don't know. I thought that was a, that was a weird, <laughs> uh, strange illustration of, of the different experiences people have, I thought.
1: Yeah.
3: Sorry, okay, I, didn't, I, I don't mind. I don't want no, to make it
0: <laughs> So to get back to StarCraft II... Um, is, I mean, Rob, you've played it a lot and you're pretty good. Uh, we haven't played multiplayer yet, but we will. I will get my revenge on you one of these days. I'm well, still practicing.
1: I'm sure you will try.
0: Uh, we talk about, I mean, uh, they do have people returning to it from nostalgia. It's, it's a title they recognize. It's a game style they recognize. They haven't picked up an RTS in a while. Uh, the peon economy RTS is pretty much gone the way of the dodo in far as, you know, mini advanced real-time strategy games. Uh, Rob, would you think that maybe Blizzard, I mean, has been trapped by nostalgia in its design?
1: Um you know, I don't think to say they've been trapped by nostalgia. I, I think that's that's looking at StarCraft the wrong way, I think. Okay. I I, I, agree. I think the way the way I look at StarCraft is I've got I've got like two or three copies of the original StarCraft on my shelf. And I haven't played them in years, and I still consider it a great game, and it has a huge place in my heart. Um, but it's just—it's just not something I ever went back and played. Not just because it's you know an old-fashioned design or outdated, but just—I mean, it's—it's it's difficult to go back and play games that are that old. And I look at StarCraft Two, and for me, I mean, I see something that's a lot more like this is this is just an update. It's like a, it's like a film restoration or something right. um, to bring it to bring it up. Uh, to bring it back in line, modern standards, but to not change the game that much from what you know, and you could say that's a nostalgia trip. But I think there's value in not always, not always trying to reinvent a design just because you're doing a sequel. I think there's value in saying that you know this is a pretty good design. There are limitations, right? Um, but for this for this type of game, this was about the pinnacle. And that's where I see StarCraft II fitting in. So I, say, I think to say it's trapped by nostalgia, that implies like an unintentionality. Um, mm-hmm. I think th- this is more a, a loving new edition.
3: I, I completely agree with you. Um, I, I think that for some reason, certain genres seem to be more, uh, there seems to be more of an expectation of pure mechanical evolution than others. And um, I'm always, in some ways, kind of relieved when a company can when a developer can say, this is this is the model that we had however many years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, and this is a model that we think is robust enough for people to play now, because when when you can successfully do that, to me, that strengthens the case that games aren't just... It's not just software development, right? It's not just right. something that can be endlessly improved. Uh, it's something where it's, it's not just a matter of A is greater than B, it's A is different to B, and um, this might have been, someone might have thought of this idea 15 years ago, but that inherently doesn't make it sort of out of date, so to speak. Um, and, I, and I like the idea that, that, y- that you can still, because I, I think that Blizzard did explore more within the context of that, of that paradigm, and at least in single player. I mean, I, I, it doesn't, f- I, I enjoy playing the single player a lot more than I ever enjoyed playing the single player of StarCraft 1. Uh, which I never completed, and at my at my current rate i i, I definitely see myself completing uh starcraft two um the multiplayer is more you know it seems to me more that and as comparison's been made a million times, so it's not like I'm saying anything original here, but it is more like a sport you know i i I don't think the people who play you know basketball or football or something would be thrilled if if whatever the I don't know the NBA or whoever else decided we're, we're going to we're, we've you know this is we've been playing this for 150 years this is way out of date we really have to, to mix up these mechanics this is just not you know I mean there, there's there are user friendly issues user friendliness issues with software um, and I think that things like better queuing and uh, uh, building selection and and bigger. Um, uh, you know, multiple unit selection at the same time, things like that are, are just nice little logistical issues to improve. But the basic dynamic of the game, I think, is something that is really robust and, right. to me, holds up quite well. It's well, also
2: is- an example of something that we always say about Blizzard. I mean, we're all writers right. here, and I'm sure that every one of us has at some point or another passed along that old chestnut that, that Blizzard doesn't really innovate, that they right. polish. Uh, sure. So while in a way I'm as a, as a huge RTS nerd, uh, you know, I love the genre, and I love some of the really cool things that have happened in the genre over the past 10 years, and specifically over the past two or three years. Uh, part of me is a, a little disappointed that a, a company as big as Blizzard and a, a franchise with the commercial success as ensured as StarCraft didn't do something to at least push the genre a little bit. Uh, I, I can't help but be a little disappointed at that, but but that's kind of Blizzard's deal. That's that's their approach. Uh, and this is a classic example of that.
0: Well, that's their approach well, now. I mean, the original StarCraft really did mix things up.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, sure. And you could look at Diablo as, as far right. as, like, inventing the action RPG genre. But uh, as far as... And, and there's an argument to be, to be made, too, that Warcraft 3 did some yeah. really cool new things. Um, so I, I do kind of wish we'd seen some of that in StarCraft 2, which, which plays it very safe on one hand, but ironically, I'm not convinced it is that safe because there's a lot in StarCraft II that I think will alienate uh, more casual players. Do you want to give me an example?
0: Sure, sure. I I mean,
2: I think a lot of the design uh, is geared towards, uh, you know, what Chris refers to when he talks about it as as an e-sport, as a sport, like it's an Uh, e-sport. You know, there are a lot of arbitrary interface issues where the line is drawn at this point instead of this point because they want to cater to people who think of StarCraft as, as a skill. You know, StarCraft isn't built to be just a cerebral strategy game. It's also built to be a test of reflexes and, and micromanagement and multitasking, uh, things that have been very often sort of designed out of RTSs, uh, as far as necessitating how well you can play and how well you do, um, you know, things like there are no formations, there's no button to select all of your units, the right. game speed is incredibly, incredibly fast. Uh, you know, you, you watch, and, and, and that's the default game speed. If you want to yep. play StarCraft II online, you have to learn to deal with that game speed. And that's something on this podcast we've talked about a lot, uh, yep. as far as being a barrier for entry for people who aren't hardcore. Ah, uh, the way the economy works—it uh, caters very much to that esports thing.
0: Um, the, the 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 zoom level—I still oh can't get over God. how tight that is.
3: Yeah, every game I'm spinning the mouse wheel. Yeah, yeah I, I had to go through that as well for sure.
0: And that's for people who can have the skills. You know, look at the mini map and very quickly make their adjustments. Um, yeah, situational awareness. You know, it's yeah.
2: it's almost like a like a shooter in that. Your, your field of view is a big part of how you're playing, you know, where you're looking at any given time. One of the classic strategies is to start a battle, and even if you're going to lose that battle, slip a few units into the guy's uh, villager line uh, and, and decimate his economy while he's looking at the battle. You, you know, StarCraft II in, wants to play that way. If you're not looking at your peon line while you're fighting a battle, you're vulnerable, and it's, it's an intentional part of the design.
1: Well, and in a lot of ways, they've they've taken the focus. Well, it's not that, I mean, the focus isn't on the battles at all. It's all about disrupting another guy's economy, forcing him to respond, making his production about responding to you rather than executing plans of his own. Um, And one of the things that I've really liked about RTS is, you know, since StarCraft, um, especially like the relic control point model, is I've always been sort of a more tactical-focused game, right? I've always enjoyed having troops battling over strategically valuable locations and the sort of, um, you know, engagements that form fighting over a patch of turf, and that's really interesting to me. And with StarCraft, I, I find the pattern more falls into a, you know, harass, distract, but really you're always going for the guy's production centers and his peons. Um, and that's that's most of that's most of the games I play and the fighting is really almost like just a way of keeping score
3: yeah that's basically yeah. the case um, and it's funny I'm so, so torn on this issue you know, I hear when I hear you guys um, talk about that because you're completely right in a lot of ways I mean many of the design decisions are totally arbitrary uh, just for the purpose of retaining activities that you know demand some particular level of skill in these different departments um, and And it's true, and it probably is alienating and it is weird that that blizzard is simultaneously taking that tack and trying to as as any blizzard game attempts to do you know be the next big phenomenon game um but you know uh, on the other side of the coin i I did get really into it to multiplayer in the in the during the beta and the i i really got sucked in i i got uh you know i was watching commentated uh, matches on YouTube with high-level players and people who know what they're talking about, calling the plays. And I was, I was improving my skills and working way up, my way up the ladder. And I, I have to say, just getting really improving my facility with just all of those diverse skill sets in this game was really rewarding. And, and being able to pull all that together and start to realize when you're not just uh, going through the motions just as fast as you can for the sake of it, and when you're using them kind of as, you know, your palette from which to construct your actual strategy. When you can, when you actually sort of start to see see through those layers, it gets really amazing and and cool, and, you know, it's, it's always stressful to play, but but uh, it was a, a really amazing experience. I'm actually kind of already looking forward to getting back into it.
1: But to Jimenez, me, that I think sounds... He's
3: just out. Go ahead, Rob. Sorry.
1: Well, no, I mean, to me, it sounds like what you're describing isn't, you're describing a sport, um, and less of a game. I mean, and that's great. I, I'm I'm kind of on board with StarCraft, you know, in, in a similar fashion. But one of the things I I kind of have a problem with the reception that StarCraft has gotten is that it's being portrayed as like this this game that's so undeniably good, it's for everyone. And I don't think it is for that very reason. You oh, were no, willing absolutely. to go deep on it. You were willing to actually study the game and put up with the stresses of competition. Um, and for me, that's where StarCraft lives. It's, it's in that competition online. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's different from almost any other video game I can name. They're, they're all recreational activities. There's something you do to, you know, chill out, pastime. StarCraft requires a completely different level of engagement than I think I've, I'm accustomed to, and I think anyone's accustomed to. You
2: know, yeah. someone made, a friend of mine made a comparison to, uh, and by the way, Chris, you totally outed yourself as a hardcore RTS player. I, I think what? anybody <laughs> who, who gets into that, that competitive aspect of what he plays. plays uh, you, you've added yourself, Chris. I'm not buying this. Oh, I'm casual anymore. Sorry.
3: that's uh, so, not so what I mean. I just, <laughs> I, I think, I, 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 suspect it's probably the case that I've gone deeper into StarCraft than any of you guys. But I also, uh, your, your, your general familiarity with more, many more games than I is probably without, without question. But I did. I did want to tease you though. That's that's important. Oh yeah. part. And, and it's but true. You're, it is. You're it the is only absurd. one of us has gotten into gold league. I
2: mean, I'm still. I'm still. I'm upper silver. I'm toiling away. But uh, I don't think any of us is at that level of play yet. But I wanted to say, Rob, I, I you, you, someone made a comparison to me. You say that there's really no other video game that, that does that, and I was inclined to think that as well until a friend of mine the other day compared it to Halo, as far as Halo being a shooter. That has an incredible wide appeal and brand recognition, and you know, but but Halo is very competitive in that I can jump into Halo as somebody who doesn't really know what I'm doing, and I can run around, and I think I get the drop on a guy, and I shoot him, and nothing happens, and he turns around and kills me, uh, and and there's a similar discouraging level I think to somebody casual who jumps into multiplayer StarCraft II. Because there's so much going on there that the casual player doesn't quite understand. You know, if I jump into Modern Warfare 2, I can get the drop on someone. I can get a few kills. It can be a little gratifying. Uh, but but I think Halo is a is a good comparison for, for the niche that Starcraft occupies among RTSs. As far as another, as far as shooter, a shooter having that equivalent kind of.
3: No, I've no, that's... never. Go oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I've never actually thought about that before, but there must be something to to what you're saying, because Halo is probably the only other game, with the exception of, of Quake 1 way back in the day, uh, that I've ever gotten into at a deep competitive level. I mean, for, uh, the ones that I can think of, are, mm-hmm. for me personally, are basically StarCraft, Halo, and, and Quake. Um, and it's funny, because all of those are very, very big, commercially successful games. You know, none of them were... I don't think any of them have ever been perceived as small, niche games, but they all do support that really extremely competitive niche level of play. um,
0: And part of what
2: does that, I think, Chris, is that that Bungie in the case of Halo and Blizzard in the case of StarCraft, they know how to build a front end around that. They know how to reward you for getting better. They know how to track your stats. They know how to give you feedback and analytical tools that you can use Mm -hmm. if you get engaged on that level. Uh, they, they, they fully appreciate that this is the kind of game they're making and and they cater to people like us who want to get, get better. I think. That's a good point. Uh, the comparison that I've also, that, that sort of comes to mind for me, uh, driving games are a big, wide, generous genre. If I want to play a driving game, I can do anything from burnout or split second where I just jump in and crazy stuff happens and woo, this is fun. Or I can play a NASCAR game, which is a sporting event where I have to play it and play it and practice to shave a few seconds off of my time. Or there are middle ground games, like Forza 3 or Need for Speed Shift, which cater a little bit to either end of that spectrum. Uh, RTSs do something similar. And I see StarCraft as as more on the NASCAR equivalent, where if you want to approach it and really study it and work to shave a few seconds off your lap time, it will reward you. I mean, that's how you get sucked into it, is to engage it at that level.
1: Well, and one of the things that I would really like to see, because this is, this is sort of the imponderable that I've been, I've been pondering, is that if, if there were another RTS, a more modern RTS, let's say, I mean, like Com- Company of Heroes, Dawn of War 2, whatever, that had a similarly outstanding front end that gave you the same sort of analytical tools um, to sort of slice and dice your game and, and, and look, at, look at where you're losing winning matches, um, and just provided such an easy entry to competitive play. Um, I mean, would we would we still be playing StarCraft?
0: Yes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we would as well. Um, just because there, it's, I, I well, I don't know. If, if We all would be playing StarCraft, but I, I think the people who play StarCraft at a really high level would still be playing StarCraft because th- there must be. I mean, there there must be something about. That gameplay dynamic that hooks a particular kind of person. Like I could, I, you know, I got really into Dawn of War two, and I love Dawn of War two. But I, I, don't think I could ever, e- even if even if Relic were to give me all, all of those level of tools, I don't I don't know if I could ever get into it at the same like really granular skill based level. I, it I, it just doesn't feel the game doesn't feel like it. It just comes down to the wire like Starcraft does. You know, I I played Dawn of War two. With a bunch of friends because it's a blast and because I love it. It's super. It's super fun. It's a great game, I don't mean in any way to be disparaging. Um, I, I really enjoy that game, but it, it, it doesn't. I, I don't think it could quite compel me to have that really just intense, like hair trigger, kind of attitude towards it. Well, I want to hear more about this, Chris, because one of my
2: one of the things that I've maintained is that StarCraft is that there there are far better RTSs out there than StarCraft Two as far as the level of design and the, the, the different things that they've done to sort of further the genre. And, and to me, Dawn of War II is one of them. So I, I would be curious to hear more about why that's your reaction, that, that it's so much easier for you to, to sink into StarCraft II than Dawn of War II at that level.
3: Um, I, I think I think it's a lot of things. I mean, part of it is just the crisp, uh, crispness of it. I, Blizzard games in general, and, and Starcraft Two in this case, like there's just part of it comes down to the fact that the AI AI is really stupid, and that, that you know a lot of the stuff is really basic. It it feels really really crisp. It feels incredibly responsive. It might not fill in any gaps for me, but you know when I do something, it's it's absolutely exactly what I said to do. Um, and there's also the fact that Dawn of War Two has more uh, kind of simulation elements to it, just in terms of. Um, physics and and kind of projectiles and those kinds of things and that's great it's what part of what gives the game its identity and makes it fun but it's also again it's it's kind of why in comparison a more you know basic kind of uh system like starcraft um just feels more like a like complete direct match of of skill and and technique you know know, because there's there's uh go ahead
2: well, I just want to say when I hear you say that, and, and I totally understand what you're getting at. You almost sound like one of those old school shooter fans. I know who who, <laughs> who prefers Quake yeah. One to Quake th- you know, to, to Doom Three. It's right. <laughs> sort well. of like I like the responsiveness, I like the
3: simplicity, I like the purity of Quake. One, <laughs> of, See, the, one of the for different reasons, though, right? Like I don't, you know, I, I, I would not rather ever go play through like a Quake One single player campaign. You know, like, that's right, not sure. ever going to be more enjoyable for me than playing through, like, a Valve game or, or, a, or a Halo or whatever. You know, there's, I mean, it, it's, they're for different reasons. Like, I just see, I see StarCraft multiplayer as just, like, this, this cipher, you know, it's just this, this lens through which I can be pitted against someone else. That it's just, nothing's in the way there. It's just right at each other. It's, it's just kind of a. A zone thing, and and I totally understand that, and that's certainly what I'm
2: responding to. I've been playing exhaustively over the last two weeks, and I, yeah. I get that absolutely.
0: Uh, so do we want to say anything about the story based campaign?
2: Well, that's because, really what they're offering for everyone else, isn't it? I mean, well, the, yeah. that's yeah. really the most people are
0: going to be most people are going to be playing that. Like, yeah, that's going right. to be introduction. Just and it is ironically, even though not ironically, it's kind of typical. It is not a strategy game.
2: Well, they're strategy puzzles. There, you know, there, it's, there are, it's yeah, really yeah. Well, there are
0: str-
3: kind
2: but, of. I
0: mean, it, 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 they they handhold it. They tell you exactly what to do. I, I feel like it's more.
3: I feel like it's more of a strategy game than the StarCraft One campaign was. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I feel like they they do a better job in StarCraft Two, and it's the reason I'm playing more of it. At straddling the line between giving you very clear steps to follow and when it counts, giving you a bit of a sandbox there, um, and and one of the, way, the best ways they do that, I think, is actually with the achievements Um, because most of the missions can be completed in ways that are very straightforward and just kind of get get the job done. Um, But then you finish it and you realize, oh, man, what I could have done is actually set up a a situation here and actually built more defenses and actually set up some some, – like bulwarks here against the enemy, and maybe gone into his base, which is not something you necessarily think of of doing during the course of a typical StarCraft mission, because you're generally responding rather than actually driving events. But you know, you start thinking maybe I could plan farther ahead, maybe I could um, focus more on production. You know, and I that was something that I I, I never felt was very well done in StarCraft One, but I, I think they've done a much better job in this game.
0: I don't know. I mean, I there's an exceptional amount of hand holding. Uh, for the campaign.
3: That's fair far as,
0: Which is, you know, what you have to do, uh, d- telling you steps along the way, right. interrupting you, interrupting you like mid-mission. Hey, this thing just popped up. You can use it to do all of these things and here's how you do it. And the trick isn't, you know, here's your strategic problem. Here's your strategic puzzle. Now solve it. It is here's your strategic puzzle. Here's where all, all, all the, the corner pieces are. Here's what the pickers going to look like when you're done. Now go and do it. If you screw it up, it's because you didn't do it fast enough. Well so I didn't build enough of the units.
1: Okay, I think you're selling it short, honestly. Um, I mean, like, admittedly, like I'm, I'm playing it hard, and I do kind of try to go for secondary objectives, but I, I think, for me, the puzzle aspect does work, because yes, they do They do introduce the units. You know, like, you've got that, um, that one dwarf guy, uh, the tech guy. You know, like, oh, we got these, <laughs> we got these yeah. new bikes, Rainer! Um, and so new stuff will show up in the mission, that's how you can use this to fight off this unit. But... I find that a lot of times that like what, what you have to do is actually puts you in these really difficult, uh, forces you to make these really difficult choices. Like you're, you're trying to decide how much to leave yourself exposed, but you've also got major incentives to go send your forces out on a hugely risky expedition outside of your base. Um, I mean, like, you know, there's, the, there's the, um, infection mission where they attack at night and you got a few minutes during the day to burn down the infected structures. Um, and that gets really, really hairy um, as you try to balance launching an offensive uh, versus, you know, protecting your base. Um, I mean, there's a lot of missions I think that that really, that really just, you know, sort of put your hand in a vice. And if you try to play too safe, you're screwed. But if you play too aggressively, they're just going to roll over your base.
2: Well, I didn't I, play I, that on hard. but... I love
1: Outbreak though.
2: The, I, the I've been playing outbreak and that that I think is. That's one of the best instances I've seen of single-player RTS mission design maybe ever. And I wish more of the game were like that. But what you're describing, Rob, isn't an optional uh, goal. You have to go out and clear out the infected Terran structures uh, to complete the mission. Um, And and I wish more of them did have that that sense of... Because it's sort of like a, a tension release between hunkering down and then going out and cleaning the map and then hunker down, and then go out and clean in the, the map. And it does this day-night cycle to to go along with that. Um, but, but I tend to agree with, with... I mean, Troy, I don't know what, what you mean about hand-holding so much, because that's that's very typical for what a single-player RTS campaign does. It's, okay, here's a toy, now here's a mission that that takes advantage of that toy, go. And then I, think it's even,
0: I, think, I think it goes even further than that. I think but, it goes down to even, even between, giving you the battle plan at the very beginning. Um, I think the battle plans are laid out in much more detail. It's not just about giving you the special unit and here's how you use it. Yeah, that's very typical. It is, here's what your battle plan is. Uh, you don't go and look for what you have to find. It marks out on the map, here's where all these things are. Uh, here's what you're going to do when you when you get there. And I Again, think I'm not sure how I'm that's
2: doing. different, though, from any single yeah. player. Well, any,
0: anyway, yes. you're, 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 but anyway, and your other point was but you were saying uh, before I interrupted you.
2: I forgot. <laughs> you, were, you, you, you
0: were agreeing with me.
2: Well, I, I, I mean, I think they're very, I agree with you, they're, they're very puzzly, they're, uh, I mean, I, I hate the single player campaign because that's not my bag, not necessarily because it's poorly made, although I do take some exceptions with some of their design things, but if you're into single player campaigns, I can see people digging this, uh, and, and that's really what's there for everyone else who's not into the competitive stuff, so, I, so I, Blizzard has done a lot of work in this campaign to make it appeal to other people, but uh, it does feel really puzzly, and uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, but it, you know, there, there's a lot of work into it, and there's a lot of there's a lot of little toys that they give you. And um, if you want to play it on hard level, like Rob is doing, I think it can be very challenging. Even though I feel that that artificially inflates the difficulty level if you do that.
3: Uh, I'm playing it on hard as well, and I yeah, I, I actually agree, kind of on both sides in that respect. I. Um, playing on hard, there are times when it's just the most satisfyingly challenging experience, um, and then there are other times when, yeah, it does it does feel like okay, this is this is straight up just I need to be building stuff faster, and that's not necessarily an interesting challenge. Um, in the same way that it is in multiplayer, um, I, I do think that probably all in all, playing on hard is is probably the more satisfying experience for someone who's familiar with strategy games, um, but. Yeah, it's tough to completely get away from that feeling of just, you know, going going through the motions in some cases.
1: I guess I do have a couple problems with the single player campaign. One is that I do like the mission structure, I, but I also find these missions tend to wear out their welcome a little bit. Um, just you know, one example I guess would be the train mission, where you're supposed to intercept these trains as they race through, race across the map. And right. at first, it's kind of this cool, like you know, it's the train job episode. You know, you got to intercept it and respond to the different tracks they're running on, and you know, it it throws a few like, curveballs at you. They start you know sending heavier scouting uh, you know escorts, but there's a lot of trains you've got to stop. Yeah, And I agree. Right. Yeah, you know, the time you destroy your fourth train. They're like, all right, we got a few more. We got a few more. Uh, you know, I, I'm starting to wonder like, really? Do we, do we have to? We, we couldn't have found it yet. Um, the, the other thing, the, the larger problem I have with the campaign, though, is that um, it's kind of drawing attention to me, uh, drawing my attention to the fact that the StarCraft universe is not a very attractive one, not a very engaging one. Um, and. You know, in, in the last 12 years, I've sort of idealized it. I remembered how much I, I enjoyed that campaign at the time. But you're spending a lot more time between the missions, sort of soaking in the ambiance of this universe and hanging out with these characters. And and they're all boring. Yeah. It, it's, it's a big problem. Um, you, don't yep. find,
0: you don't find Jim Rayner's Space Cowboy to be <laughs> one of your God, favorite heroes?
3: I, you know, just I want to make sure I touch on this because I don't want to sound like I'm an apologist for everything about this game, um, because oh my God, is the writing bad? I mean, it's just it's really, really shockingly bad, and I don't even think it's just the universe. And I'm ne- I've never been someone who's, who is particularly interested in the the Warcraft or StarCraft universes. I, I mean, I've never found them super engaging or anything, but I, I I really feel like there's a difference between StarCraft one and two in that particular respect, and I think part of it is that. The there's this unfortunate uh, kind of two you know two-edged blade here of the single-player campaign, which is that I I love the general pace and dynamic of all of the mid-mission ship stuff. I love going in there and looking at the different research options and deciding what I want to upgrade and seeing oh do I want this unit or that unit and I I just love that stuff. I think it's such a better framework for a campaign than just a list of missions. I think it's great. The problem is it puts you in such close proximity to these just idiotic characters you know and just this this completely vapid story and it, it just drives home how dumb it all is
1: oh and well, what's funny the-
2: is they're so blizzard is so in love with these characters i mean there's so many so much elaborate production value based on yeah. them and yep. it, and it's constantly shoved in your face with like clicking on conversations and before and after every mission there's there's an elaborate cut scene and they just love that stuff and they seem to think you will too yeah, uh, You know, with at least talking heads, I can safely ignore them and go on to the mission. Right, but exactly. Good yeah. Lord, do they pour it on thick.
3: Yeah. Yep, it's a real shame.
2: Uh, so, so you did like, I because one of the things, and I've been told that this is probably because I was playing on normal, uh, but I one of the things that I was disappointed at is the, the framework for progressing in the single player campaign is you pick a mission and that mission unlocks a unit. And if you do bonus objectives, you earn research points that unlock some tweak to either a game mechanic at the higher levels or at the lower levels, uh, maybe how a unit works. Uh, And you also spend your money to add uh, skills and abilities to the units you've got. Uh, now, all of that sounds very generous and, and, and very cool. And to just describe that, that thinks, wow, there, there's a lot of strategic options there. But because of the way the missions were designed, I never felt like early on, I was like, wow, this is great. OK, this is going to change the way I play the missions. And the fact of the matter was it never really did because they're the same kinds of missions and you approach them the same kinds of ways, which is namely just building a bunch of stuff and figuring out the puzzle solution. Uh, so... Early on, I loved the framework for the single-player progression, but as it went on, I became increasingly disappointed at how little my choices mattered. Um, Chris, did you find playing on hard that that addressed that, that those were more meaningful?
3: Uh, not necessarily. I think this might be where my, uh, my um, kind of more basic uh, strategy brain comes into play, which is that I, I guess I didn't go in with that expectation. To me, all that stuff was kind of just... All a bonus on top of it, um, you know. Like I would go in, and you know, one of the one of the first things you do is you choose whether your bunkers are tougher or whether they have a, a little um, gun on top. And you yeah. know, I did the did the one with the gun, which, by the way, is hilarious. That that's that was uh, they they determined how to do that by studying the spore. The spore crawler, whatever from the, the Zerg. That was how they decided. It never would have occurred to them. Otherwise. A, yeah, we don't. We this was a brilliant idea the Zerg had is put a gun on a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, any, anyway, <laughs> their DNA uh, suggests they're vulnerable to bullets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, and just throughout the throughout the thing, I've I've really enjoyed going. It's it's less this changes how I do it, and more I really like this unit. I use it all the time. I'm going to upgrade this thing and with the, the sort of strategies that I already enjoy using, this should make it easier or more fun or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I, I have a much sort of simpler view of it, which, pro- you know, it's it's maybe less meaningful, but um, I guess I just saw it as kind of a nice little thing to do. And I, and it's also strategy games, especially playing on hard, they're so intense, you know, and you get so stressed mm-hmm. out during the, the mission that I, I just like having a place to go and and kind of have some some decompression time and and in a way that's still connected to the game you know so i don't have to just i don't at this point i've given i've entirely given up talking to anyone in between missions and so but even (laughs) even not doing that i still have stuff to do that i can click around and and look at things that are very mentally low investment but still actually connect to what i'm doing
2: so did you know that you
3: might have missed out on an achievement then I did. I've already it's I've irrevocably missed out on that achievement unless I want to play the entire game over again. All right, Which there goes achievement your is that? Uh, Starcraft gamer score. <laughs> no. No, I love the fact that this is not connected to a gamer score because I think that most but It of the is. Chi- it is. When I click on your profile in the upper right hand corner, yep. I'm going to see Chris Ramos' gamer score. Yeah, but I don't but I don't <laughs> give I have a to shit, judge you, know? Chris. I will judge you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm so I'm so over the fucking gamer score. I I've really st- almost entirely stopped playing console games at this point and, and part of it is I'm just so fed up with that whole like, ecosystem. Um, and I guess, yeah, the Blizzard one, I guess it's part of a gamer score but I, it's, it's such a minor thing it only relates to these two games one of, one of which I don't play um, that you know, I, I can just see them entirely as sort of gameplay enhancements or, or incentives. Um, okay Chris, let me then awesome. test you.
2: I want, to, I want to verify this. What is your gamer score in, what's that score in the upper right hand corner for you in StarCraft 2 right now?
3: Oh God, I'm trying to think. Um, I, I really, I would have to launch the game. I really can't. I have. You know what? In that case, then
2: I, I, I was going to say, if you knew it, then I'm not going to believe you. But the fact that you don't know it, oh, speaks I see.
3: To <laughs> so
0: well, yeah, well no, I, played. I
3: haven't, well, I have the slightest clue what it is. I, I <laughs> well played.
0: <laughs> okay, so what does StarCraft Two mean? This is sold. It pre-sold almost a million copies. Um, this is the biggest PC game to come out in some time. We have Civilization 5 coming out in a month. That game's
3: amazing. I've been playing a
0: lot. Shut up, shut up, shut it's up, shut so up! Shut up, shut up! Don't say anything. All right. and no spoilers. I don't want to have any Romans or anything. No spoilers. Um, no, I can't wait to get my hands on Civ 5, but it's not going to be as... probably not going to sell as many copies as StarCraft will. It's certainly not going to have uh, the buzz that StarCraft does.
3: But it'll sell a lot of copies. It'll, I mean, it'll sell, sell very more, well. than, more than most strategy games will.
0: Uh, people are going to be looking at StarCraft II and say, okay, what does this mean for PC gaming? What does the success of StarCraft sure. II and Blizzard are doing it again, having another smash hit, uh, what does this mean for the business of strategy games, of RTS, and PC gaming? Does StarCraft II matter, or is it just another anomaly because it is StarCraft and because it is Blizzard?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think of course it matters. I mean, it's, it's definitely going to... Uh Pave the way for other publishers who want a piece of that this now increase this now larger real time strategy pie. Um,
0: is there a large time? Is there no. really a large a larger real time strategy pie? I mean, so. if how many people-, people
2: bought StarCraft too Absolutely, that's oh, wait, how big but the but pie now, got- is.
0: Right? Yeah, but are they going to be buying more games? Are these going to be people who you know? Oh, this is just like Age of Empires too, something they played back in. Yep. I have no uh, idea if
2: more people are going to be buying RTSs, but I do know that publishers are going to to look they with, with they're going to covet those sales figures. Uh, yeah, and they'll they'll want a piece of that. I'm not saying they'll devote major resources to it, but uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think StarCraft II and I, I sort of I think we've all known this was going to happen. It's going to come out and be successful and encourage publishers that this is a viable genre.
3: I don't. I'm pretty pessimistic about that, quite frankly. I um, I would the examples I would bring up by point of by way of comparison are things like, again, Halo Wars on Xbox 360. You know, I mean that game sold I think a couple million units, but it certainly didn't pave the way for for RTS games on consoles. Not that I care about RTS games on consoles, but just for the sake of argument, you know, I think it's a case where you look at the fact that it has Halo in it, and in this case, you look at the fact that it's Blizzard, it's Starcraft, it's got this just huge presence. Um, and then um, I forget the other example. Oh, oh, the other example I was going to bring up is things like, you know, Wii first party games. You know, you look at the stuff that Nintendo puts out on the Wii and they they can get behind this this platform and say, oh look at this crazy thing we've got on the system and and here's this Game we have that uses this particular whatever new peripheral released this month in an amazing way, uh, and then that game will sell millions and millions and millions for months and months and months and months and months. Um, and now, when you look at what third-party software is doing on the Wii, it's just off the cliff. There's nothing, and I, I think that this industry, time and time again, has has does have instances of these weird, isolated cases where people will be drawn into things that they don't regularly uh, take the time to seek out. But they're not. It's not necessarily indicative. I mean, even World of Warcraft is is kind of an example of that. Um, you know, it, it doesn't. It's not necessarily indicative of of uh, what people will will seek out if there isn't a big kind of machine behind it. I'm Rob? really cynical about this. I I could be wrong.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I'm, I'm I'm with you, Chris. I think that makes a lot of sense. Rob, what do you think? <sighs> I
1: think a few things. Um, first, I think a lot of the people who brought Star bought Starcraft two. Had fond memories of the first game and were buying a piece of the piece of their past. Um, yeah. They they were once again they were buying the new enhanced edition of a game they already knew they loved and they got exactly what they paid for. Uh, but those same people um, kind of took a hiatus from the RTS genre since StarCraft until now, um, and they might wait until the next Blizzard RTS before they come back to the genre. I mean, they just they aren't going to stick around. I don't think. Um, and one of the other reasons for that is that, for good or ill, Blizzard comes to each of its games with a great deal of authority. If somebody yep. else made StarCraft II, I think you'd have a lot more people complaining that... You'd, you'd, you'd have that stupid question, you know, well, how does it innovate? You'd have a lot more people asking, where's the boldness in this design? Where's the freshness? But because it's Blizzard, there's this sort of expectation that well, that's, just not, that's just not what Blizzard does. And so you pre- Blizzard gets to set the terms of debate on its own games in a way that very few other developers do. Um, and so I think you know, other, other publishers will covet those sales figures. But even if they do that, they're going to be missing the point is that Blizzard can pull this stuff off because they take forever to, forever to make their games, people expect that, and they build up anticipation beautifully every time. Um, and people are simply not going to get as excited about this, about any other RTS from any other developer, because they don't have the same you know emotional connection with it, and doesn't have the same pedigree.
2: Well, to yeah. real quick, just sort of elaborate a bit on on, on what I'm saying. I mean, you guys, I, I think you guys are sort of missing the point that that this is very much like a World of Warcraft situation in that it's not a one-off. This is an ongoing thing. This is part one of a three-part trilogy, and I'm assuming they're wanting to do one each year. You know, the Zerg one will be next year, and the Protoss the year after. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a big seller, and every year for the next two years, it's going to continue to be a big seller. Uh, and, and I agree with what you're saying, Rob, about them approaching it with authority, and they can do this because they're Blizzard. Uh, but if you look at how, how many people are chasing those World of Warcraft dollars... I, how many I can't help but how many, think that some of those them. people are going to be chasing the same StarCraft dollars, and, and and that's regardless, Rob, of whether or not they succeed. I agree; that's a whole different issue. But as a guy who likes RTSs, uh, you know, whether they succeed or not, I I hope that, and I I feel glad that other publishers will chase some of these dollars. I want to see more RTSs, well, and if, I find it's hugely encouraging.
1: If there's if there's one last thing I can add, uh-huh. um, I, I do kind of feel like. I'm not sure this is going to create a generation of RTS players, but given the incredible tools that Blizzard has given people to take this game seriously, again, like if you want to, if you really want to get into competitive StarCraft, I mean, your game is here. You know, I mean, there there are no obstacles preventing you from doing that. I think it might not create RTS players, but I think they probably have succeeded, and, and these sequels. Will help with that. They've succeeded in creating probably a new generation of StarCraft players who are probably going to be more active in that competitive scene than happened with StarCraft One.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, final is of this is a, a a good game, but not a, a great game. Can we say that?
3: I, I personally speaking, it's 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 a great game as far as I'm concerned, but for maybe for slightly different re- I mean, I might be looking at it from a different perspective than you guys in a certain way, just because I, I have sort of let that multiplayer really get its hooks in me in a, in, a, yeah. you know, in, a, in a way that, that to me is like a unique experience, right? Like I can't, there aren't other games that I've played that I can substitute in for that. So it's not, yeah. it, w- whether it's progressive or not is almost a moot point, right? It's just, this is that, this is like the standard for that particular thing for me. You
0: <laughs> speak,
2: and uh, Troy, you've just you've quoted my review, but I just want to I? say I, I got a fair bit of flack from the review for because I gave it a B, and that's a stupid scoring issue. But I, I had a lot of caveats in the review. But the thing that I want to stress more than any of my issues with StarCraft Two are is that I, I adore this game. I so am into the competitive okay. multiplayer aspect even though I'm not necessarily that good at it. I love being able to cultivate an RTS as sort of a skill. I love being able to participate in league and division ranking as a sport, even though I don't know the first thing about sports. And I love that crispness that Chris yep. talked about, which, you know, Dawn of War 2 has its place with its squads that do their own thing. But there is something to be said about a game that you won because you specifically clicked this button at this time and yep. changed the tide of battle with a decision that you made and an opening build that you worked out and that you committed to. Yep. Uh, it is. It has a beautiful and this gets used a lot, too, but it's because it's true. It has a beautiful chess-like precision uh, that is no, not for there,
0: everyone. There, but that there's I a ad- real science to it.
2: Right. There's a science, there's a craft, there's
1: a skill. Uh, yep, absolutely. A
0: little yeah. bit math and timing.
1: Yep. I think, you know, with a lot of review scales, there's this, there's this pretense that at the, very, at the very highest end of the review scale, it's for everyone. That if you're a gamer, then this is the game for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you got a pulse and a controller, you should be playing this game. It's a ninety-five. Um, and so, I mean, StarCraft just isn't a the game. There are things that you know you could easily find alienating. And you know, I've been down on StarCraft. I during you know the hype build-up, I was down on StarCraft for a long time. What I seriously underestimated was how much I was going to love. Um, you know what you were just talking about, Tom, and what you were talking about earlier, Chris. Um, that that competitive experience is unique, and I underestimated how much I would get caught up in it. Um, so I mean, do I you know do I think it's a it's is it a great new groundbreaking breaking design? In a lot of ways, it's not, but it does this one thing so incredibly well, yeah. and it's got this fantastic community and a great way to organize it. That I mean, you know, for all my caveats with it. If someone asked me, what RTS should I should I get right now to play online with people, it's StarCraft II all the way.
0: Yeah, I can agree with it. It's really the best multiplayer RTS. I mean, Blizzard just does this so well, and they always have done this well, uh, online play. And um, StarCraft 2 does not disappoint, and I want to get back into it. Uh, I played a little bit in the beta, not enough uh, here with the full build. Uh, just enough to realize I'm really bad at it. <laughs> Uh, but I will certainly be doing more. Uh, this is a game that I'll be playing a lot of, I think.
2: Troy, um, I want to ask you, though, real quick. Yeah. You say it's the best multiplayer RTS. Uh, like, like, you really, because I, I disagree with that. I think it's the best yeah. for certain people, but you okay. really think on a wide scale. And I think, Rob, you were saying if somebody asked me what RTS do I play, do you guys really feel that this is a good recommendation for people who aren't as, as wonky about oh. the genre as we are?
0: Yes. Problem. Okay. Oh, that, yes. that, 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 that's a
1: tougher no, question. No, all your friends are um, playing it. And that's you you've said oh. how many times though? You said you know the worst game, you know, played with friends is better than the best played by yourself. I mean, you know, Blizzard might not deserve the credit for this, but when I go into StarCraft, I've got a half dozen people that I can play with.
2: Okay, so it's not necessarily it. a matter of the game design, it's the fact that the community is people that you know. Is that it it's sort of reached a critical mass where all of your friends are playing. Is that yeah, what you Yeah, but mean? I don't
1: think you can discount okay. that.
2: But but I'm talking on more a design level as as right. as an RTS wonk who looks at the the design choices a game makes I, I would not pick StarCraft II if somebody asked me that and I, d- I just wanted to sort of ask you guys why you would pick StarCraft II
3: I, I don't I mean I don't know if I necessarily would I have definitely I mean there there are certainly friends of, I guess I'll, I guess what I'll say is I've recommended Dawn of War II to friend to more friends. Wholeheartedly than I have StarCraft Two.
2: Yep.
3: yep. Um, part of that might just be because so many more people <laughs> already know about StarCraft uh, Two, right. you know, that just because of the just marketing bonanza. But
0: you and of War Two hasn't been out longer.
3: And it, it has been out longer as well. But there definitely is a conscious distinction I make there when I'm talking to people who aren't who you know. It depends what you're looking for, but. Donna selling like Dawn of War 2 on on many levels and in many ways is more accessible and more appropriate for certain people than 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 starcraft 2 is right um, and I there are some then you know on the other hand there are there are friends I know who who are just they will never go online to play a strategy game and they know that and I know that right. and in that it's a different calculation in that case but you know and that's what one of the things I was wanting to, to get at Troy so so we' right so, I mean,
2: so,
0: if, it, go ahead. if I would recommend it unequivocally to anybody who doesn't play RTSs, I really don't know. Uh, I would really hard. I'm really hard-pressed to think what RTS I would. I mean, Dawn of War 2 has... Oh, the Relic games are... They involve a lot of tactical micromanagement. Um, I'm, I certainly wouldn't recommend Company of Heroes, because it is actually a very, very hard game uh, to learn to play well. Um, so yeah, it would come down to Dawn of War 2 or StarCraft, but they're both very different games. Yeah. Um, and it's really, and it's really, a lot of them would depend on how well I knew this person, what their gaming tastes were. Now, if they had no RTS strategy experience whatsoever, I would say, you know, go with StarCraft 2 because it, the gameplay is, it, it's crisp and the decision-making is clear. You know, if the units, it's very, you look at the units and you know exactly what they do. And that's so important for learning an RTS is you look at a tank and you know what the tank does. Dawn of War II, it's not always quite obvious, especially for some of the, more ethereal races, what units do what, and what their special powers are. There's very little unit micromanagement. You just point point your troops and go. You last sue them. You watch your peons. I mean, that's actually quite basic, simple gameplay.
2: You're talking about StarCraft Two. Yeah. Oh, see, I disagree with that because there's a you, lot of there's a lot
3: of spell powers in StarCraft Two. Uh, yeah, they're,
0: they're, they're
2: like timed. they are, but
3: really they, but, yeah. I, I guess I can mainly speak to the Protoss, but I feel like yeah. they they do a good job at least with the Protoss of like, with sort of the unit compositions that make sense, usually you're not going to, like, you know, I'll, I'll put it like a you know, a bunch of sentries and a bunch of stalkers and a bunch of zealots and a huge clump or something. And really from there, the only actual spell I need to use is the one on the sentries. And as long as the sentries are the one whose interface comes up, there's only like one or two buttons I need to press. Like, I feel like Blizzard spent a lot of time thinking through actually that stuff and making sure you're not constantly needing to go back and forth between like subgroups within your groups.
0: Yeah, that that's what unless, I Unless mean,
3: unless you're at the really high level in which case nothing is is barred, but
0: sure, I mean that's what I was really getting. I mean, the the, the protoss have this and some of the other some of the terran units have these special powers, but they're, you know, generally very few of the units do. Um To master them takes you know a little bit of high level skill, and by then you've learned a million other things. You don't have to learn how to use them perfectly your first time out.
3: And it's worth mentioning we didn't none of us mentioned this, but the challenge stuff in StarCraft two is like fantastic. I mean, I don't know any other game that has something like that executed to that level.
0: Yeah, I mentioned that in my review. It's really one of the highlights of StarCraft two. The fact they have these nine challenge missions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I I disagree. I mean, I I I like what they were getting at, but there's really it's basically a visualization of stuff that you should read in a manual, and that's a cool idea. Uh, But but some of those upper level challenges I just found frustrating and wanted no part of. And early on, it's just a matter of showing you, look, here's what a Colossus does to a bunch of Marines, and and I appreciate that. But you know, other other RTSs have that in the form of a little video or a tutorial. and I think it, I think there. it
0: works better to see it and control it.. Yeah, right. I agree. And
2: I do respect that they put it in the single player as as a way to sort of transition you to the multiplayer. but I can't help but think that people will click on that and and think, yeah, okay, whatever. you know it ties in the achievements. I guess if you really want to go for the all the bronzes or get golds, you'll certainly learn a lot. Uh, but I, I was expecting I had just heard that they were going to have these chess puzzle kind of things in there that would transition people to multiplayer. Uh, I was expecting—I don't know what I was expecting. I was expecting something different. Um.
3: Yeah, I mean, I—I th- I th- I see where you're coming from. I mean, i, th- I th- but I see things like the, um, you know, the hotkey training mission as just being invaluable. Uh, like that's something that is just—I right. know people who who played StarCraft years and years and years ago and <laughs> played it like still. Just don't use hotkeys. Never. Isn't that infuriating to watch someone do that too? Yeah, You're like, yeah. get, don't yeah, click on oh that. The butt right, right under blocks. your left hand.
0: <laughs> As a hotkey zealot, Tom, you should know. I know.
3: Um, and, and also, just, real, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. Oh, I just want to quickly mention something that this is gets a little into broader territory in terms of recommendations. But um, I don't know if you guys, you know, have a lot of PC gaming friends. I definitely have some PC gaming friends, but I actually don't don't know tons of people who are really into PC games like I am, and I. Um, when it comes to recommendations i just want to point out that it's incredibly important to make the right recommendation <laughs> especially in a genre like rts because if i can somehow convince a friend of mine who just who just plays console games and that's it that I promise you you should pick up you should try this pc game it's going to be you're going to enjoy it it's so goddamn important to get that right because if you don't and they and they just feel overwhelmed and they, it was just it just was nonsense to them and it just didn't they couldn't get it then you've just like ruined them on strategy games and PC games right. for another five oh. years until oh,
0: here we go that's what, here's, what, here's what, I would recommend rise of legends well, find even, rise I mean, of it's, Legend. it's
2: really I like that. like you guys are saying it's all about context and it's all about yeah. knowing the person to whom you're recommending it which is why I kind of I apologize Troy but that's why I kind of bristled when you said you right. thought it was the best multiplayer because it Context is so important, and it especially for, for real-time right. strategy games specifically, and strategy games, I think it, it falls upon guys like us to be real careful about what recommendations yeah. we, we mention. And I can't help but look at the design aspects of StarCraft II and, and really feel sad that Rise of Legends didn't catch on. Because yeah. I think it, it pulls off much more successfully at the design level. A lot of what StarCraft II is trying to do. And as far as coming to your friends who don't play RTSs, I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of disappointed that that nobody has mentioned something like, like Demigod or Multiwinia or, or for, for consoles, sure, yeah. Brutal Legend. Uh, or even for like that old school traditional RTS, you know, uh, Supreme Commander II did a great job of doing that kind of yes. design. Uh, so... That, that was sort of the the, prim, the the introduction, the main premise for my review, was that there are some fantastic, fantastic real-time strategy game designs out there that appeal to a wide range of different types of people. And and yet, ironically, here comes StarCraft II, which is very old school, very targeted at a specific kind of player, and it's now going to be the sort of RTS du jour for, for a while.
0: Uh, Part of the problem is, I mean, if people don't play RTSs, you don't know what they like or what they don't like. Right. So recommended something like Brutal Legend, which you know a lot of people thought was a bait and switch. It's a music game. No, actually, it's an RTS. Uh, they're expecting some wacky adventure game, right. uh, which it was, but it was also an RTS. Um, you know, I, I'm sure I wouldn't even most wouldn't even think of it. It would wouldn't think of it as an RTS. You well, it's a great way to stealth
2: was. people into RTS uh, in or RTS get them minds. or get
0: them really mad
3: at you. Yeah, I saw a lot of people <laughs> get really angry at that yeah. game.
2: That's what I'm saying. Is if you're giving a recommendation to someone you know, you know, if someone knows you well enough to, to say, "Hey, you know, what's an RTS I should try?" I mean, you just, I, I, you know, I think StarCraft II is so grossly inappropriate a recommendation for a lot of people, considering how many other great, innovative, different types of RTSs there are out there.
0: Uh, but they're also different. I and mean, recommend Demigod and StarCraft II, you must well be recommending two very different genres, let alone.
2: Right? And yeah. I love that about RTSs. That's one of the things that's happened.
0: Absolutely. It's last when time. someone says, recommend me an RTS, yeah. they might as well say, you know, recommend me a fruit. I mean, okay, banana.
2: Well, it's, no, it's, it's very much like you recommend know, me a driving game, recommend me a shooter, recommend me an RPG. You know, RTSs have finally gotten to the point where they're yep. no longer just Command and Conquer clones. And I, I love that about the genre. Yep. And one of the pit the pitfalls of StarCraft Two is... It goes back to that old Command & Conquer Warcraft model.
0: Uh, but wouldn't you have been happy if Command & Conquer 4 had stuck with the Command & Conquer Warcraft model?
2: I actually liked Command & Conquer 4. I mean, we, we've talked a little bit about this, but I liked their des- what they did on a design level.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, they just hit it too late.
2: Well, and they had a terrible, terrible sort of uh, MMO online yeah. front-end. Uh, yeah. You know, where Battle.net just did a wonderful job of, of showcasing uh, StarCraft Two that little front end abomination and the unlocking of all the units and whatnot, I think scuttled command and conquer Four. absolutely despite the fact that it was a really cool design that drew on that, uh, that conflict, that world at conflict model from the, the, uh, the designers at massive, uh, yes, that team based RTS.
0: So I'm getting, I'm getting
2: super wonky. I apologize.
0: Um, so, uh, next week's show, we are, going to talk about a uh, subject that, you know, uh, and Soren Johnson suggested this topic, he won't be around for it, but he suggested this topic, and it's, I think is an interesting one to get us off a particular game. The topic is bad games that had one good idea. Bad strategy games that did one thing right, that really pointed a way forward, that somehow got lost under a mess of bad interface, bad design, bad sales. Um, can a strategy game point the way forward when it's largely a failure? So that is next week's topic. Uh, hopefully, we can have Julian and Tom and Bruce and Rob, the whole gang, uh, around for that. Uh, that'll be the
1: unicorn. Week.
0: And <laughs> we'll see. I have great faith in my team. One of these days, I'll get all of you in the same room and kill you one at a time. Uh, that was now, happy. Yeah, it is, <laughs> I'm in a creepy mood. I've got a splitting headache. Uh, this coming Saturday, the 14th of August, which is my birthday. I'm- Yay! It is? <laughs> You're having a Tom's birthday gathering. That's awesome. I had no that's idea. You how should, thoughtful you should, of you. You should come. <laughs> of course. <laughs> we'll, make, we'll make you a cake. I had no idea it was your birthday. That's that's actually quite coincidental and amazing. Sure uh, you didn't,
2: Troy. Four- sure you didn't.
0: <laughs> I, I don't read your Facebook. <laughs> uh, this four- The 14th, uh, I'm scheduling it for 2.30 at the Gordon Biersch in Washington, D.C. The Flash of Steel, Three Moves Ahead. Reader listener gathering for people in the Maryland, uh, Virginia, Washington, D.C. area, or anybody who wants to drive down from Philadelphia or Baltimore or up from North Carolina, wherever, um, (coughs) you're all welcome to come. Uh, Please post in the. There's a thread, uh, there's a post on the blog on Flash of Steel that will have all the details, and I will be updating that uh, midweek once I've made the reservations. And So I get a head count. Uh, right now I have probably about half a dozen people. Not a huge number, but it's enough uh, to make new friends and see who will buy me drinks. So once again, that's 2.30 at the Gordon Beersh on August the 14th, Tom Chick Day. I'll try to make sure we have enough buttons for everybody. Chris, so glad you could join us.
3: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. had a great time. Appreciate it.
0: And good luck at Irrational. They're lucky to have you. Thanks. Gamma Sutra's losing a good one. Uh, if you haven't listened to his Idle Thumbs podcast, even though it's coming to an end, please catch up in the back episodes. Uh, not always as serious as us, but it's funny and well-produced, and we're neither of those. Uh, Thank you. Rob and Tom, thanks for being here.
3: Gigi.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: <laughs> good night, all.
3: Take care.